Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of Think Relevance, the podcast with our guest today, Alex Miller. I had a great conversation with him. Uh, before we get to that, as usual, I want to mention a few things. First of all, uh, during the month of October, as we mentioned, you'll be able to find Mike Nygaard and Stu Holloway barnstorming their way through Northern Europe. Stu is going to be at Reactor Day in Helsinki and Euroclosure in Berlin, and he's also going to stop in Budapest, Krakow, and Darmstadt. Uh, Michael Nygaard will be starting in Scandinavia, running workshops for Java developers in Copenhagen, Stockholm, Oslo, and Helsinki. And he'll also be at Go to Berlin and Amsterdam, so you can search for all that and find uh, information about where to find those guys. The uh, only other thing I want to mention is I believe I'm going to get this episode up before uh, the evening of August 27th, 2013. That's a Tuesday when I will be speaking at Closure DC in Arlington, Virginia. I'll uh, be doing a quick intro to Closure and then talking about Causatom, which is an open source library I wrote for um, uh, generating stochastic uh, event sequences. So um, check that out. You can find that uh, information about that at meetup.com slash Closure DC. Also want to remind you that you, you'll be able to find Justin Getland and Kurt Zimmer, who is uh, CTO at our customer RoomKey and was on the podcast previously talking about our work together. You'll be able to find the two of them on stage together at CloudBeat on September 9th and 10th in San Francisco. Of course, this is again 2013. Uh, I think that covers it for now. So let's go on to the episode and talk to Alex Miller. Thanks for listening. Friday, August 9th in the year 2013, and today it is my extreme pleasure to welcome back to the podcast for his second appearance, Alex Miller. Welcome, Alex. Hi. How's it going? Very well. Um, and so I want to ask you a question, which you probably have seen coming from a mile away, which is what intro music did we start with? We're, we started with Want It Back by Amanda Palmer and the Grand Theft Orchestra. Okay. I am not familiar with that. What, uh, what genre of music is that? Rock. It's just straight rock. <laughs> cool, awesome. Yeah, Amanda Palmer is. Uh, she did this. Uh, if you're not familiar, she's married to Neil Gaiman, so that's one way people know of her. But uh, she's been around for a while. Um, uh, she previously was with another guy. Uh, they had a band, the Dresden Dolls, uh, that were great. And then uh, she did this big Kickstarter thing uh, last year to do this album, and it became like this huge, monstrous thing. Cool. And uh, so I always admire uh, the way that she's put that together with passion and energy and just bringing people together to do crazy stuff. Awesome. And I'm trying and to it's a great song. It's okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it. I'm, I'm just trying to remember, I, I, for some reason I can remember that when you were on last time with Lynn and Marco, that Marco picked a Motorhead song, but I cannot remember what you picked. I believe I picked um, Talking Heads. Yes. 
Right. This must right. be the place. Which okay. Is one of my, which is one of my favorite okay. songs. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, so people, um, I've said we have you back on the podcast, and there's um, any number of reasons I wanted to talk to you. You're a fascinating guy. You're well known for running several really great conferences. I've been to two of them, um, and I and I heard uh, about a little bit about um, Lambda Jam, your most recent effort. That heard heard really great things on Twitter about that. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, one of the uh, foremost reasons to have you on the show is that you have recently made a big career move, and I wonder if you could tell people what that is. Sure. So I'm at Relevance now. That's the uh, <laughs> the, the news there. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you, would you like me to expound on that whole? Yes, please process? do. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, earlier this year, um, I've been I had been working with a company called Revolitics, and I've been there for through over three years doing closure. And uh, for various reasons, that uh, job was no longer there, and uh, so I left Revolitics and uh, did not actually have a job lined up at that point. And uh, fortunately, I had enough, you know, breathing room in the finances to uh, float for a little bit. Uh, so I spent four, six weeks, sort of uh, working on conference stuff and uh, talking to a lot of different people. Uh, and I really was kind of a, I, I felt more adrift from a job change perspective than I have in many years um, because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I felt like I really had the opportunity to take the time to find um, the right thing and the right um, thing that I wanted to do that would use my skills and let me do my best work and make a difference in something. Uh, so I have primarily worked as a software developer uh, doing writing code uh, and I've worked at a series of software product companies um, Metamatrix for a long time as chief architect on their data platform uh, I worked for BEA on their some of their Aqualogic products I worked for Terracotta for a number of years on the Terracotta uh, platform and then at Revolitics on their product so I've been doing that for 10 plus well 10-15 years uh, with a few little slips into other things uh, that I left out. Um, and uh, while I love writing code, and uh, I think I have a lot to offer in that regard, I also have this other part of my life that's about uh, conferences, and it's about uh, bringing people together and connecting people um, and amplifying things. And so I really wanted to have a place that would let me uh, take the best parts of what I can do uh, technically together with my ability to connect people and um, build communities and things like that. Uh, so I found actually several positions like that. Um, and for me, the, the key was that if I'm going to go out there and be an advocate for something or, or you know build a community around something, at this point in my career, it can't just be I want it to be something that I actually believe in um, and believe makes a difference. And for me, closure is that thing. Um, I've been using closure for a few years now and really uh, from have did a decade plus of Java before that. I've done other, you know, C++ and other production level work. Um, and I was kind of really at the point where I switch from Java to Clojure, I was really tired of Java. <laughs> I just could not write another iterator loop, <laughs> another system out Printlin or whatever. And um, it just that whole process seemed, uh, I, I was not able to express myself in the way that I wanted to express myself. It was just too much. Um, the, the abstractions were not good enough and the size of the code was too much. 
and I built large systems that I really fought tooth and nail to maintain. And um, after having, you know, now that I've like, I found closure and it really answered my questions around that. Um, and I think that there are things that it offers. I don't think it's the right answer for every person for every problem, but I think it offers tremendous advantages for a lot of different domains. And I want people to have that experience, what, regardless of whether they actually end up using it for something or anything or everything. Um, I, I want more people to uh, have that experience. So for me, um, relevance is obviously the, com the thing that combines together <laughs> the thing I believe in, the technology, and the ability to connect people. So um, unfortunately, at the time that I became unemployed, Relevance was not at a place where they could offer me a job. <laughs> so uh, so they, that's been sort of a, an ongoing process, uh, and I'm really happy that I'm now actually on full-time. So uh, that has culminated in a good result in the end. Yeah, well, we're really happy about <laughs> it too, actually, for a variety of reasons. I mean, you know, obviously, um, it's a really good synergy around your connection to the closure and functional programming communities. It's great for us because, you know, we have an active interest in developing those communities and reaching out to them. Um, but also, of course, because, you know, you're a good hacker and we need, we always need more of those. So it's that's super great to have you on board. Um, now, I'm a little curious because, um, so I went to Strange Loop last year. That was my first time. I'm speaking at it this year, so thank mm -hmm. you for that. And I'm looking forward to that as well. I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to speaking there, but also to attending again. It really is one of my favorite conferences. Just great. And, I'm, and I was listening to you talk just now about how you had gotten frustrated with closure and you wanted sharper tools. I don't actually know the history of Strange Loop, like how long it's been around, mm -hmm. but I wonder a little bit if A, you could uh, give us some of that backstory because I think it's probably interesting. Um, and then B, whether or how that coincided with your kind of desire to move on from where you were at with Java. Mm -hmm. It, going back, you just said frustration with closure. So you meant Did I Java. Really, I meant Java, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. want to correct Nothing's that. perfect, but I was referring <laughs> to Java, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so going back to um, uh, the, the origins of Strangely, we'll say. Uh, and I did a, so if I want to go really far back, so I will, uh, since we have the opportunity with this format to talk, mm -hmm. I will go even farther back to um, something that actually connects back to, to relevance. Um, back in the early 2000s, and I don't know exactly what year it was, but it was one of the very early years for the No Fluff Just Stuff tour. And they came through town. It might have been the first time they came through St. Louis. So it was probably 2001 or two, somewhere in that range. Uh, and Stu Holloway uh, was on the tour. And I went to his two of his talks, one which was about class loaders, and one that was about... Um, I think it was about metaprogramming, but it was in multiple languages. So it had both uh, Ruby and Java and maybe something else. I can't remember now. And um, I loved watching Stu speak. He's yeah. great. And I had been doing a little bit of work with class loaders and things like that. He clearly had a level of knowledge that was uh, significantly higher than mine on that stuff at the time. Um, but I found it, for me, it was a pivotal event in my sort of career because it got me interested in other kinds of technical things, um, deeper, sort of going deeper in some things. Um, Stu's way of thinking about the world, and he was had the, the book that he wrote around then, around component-oriented... Mm -hmm. Component programming, whatever Java, something, it was a Java component um, book, yeah. 
there are ways that he talked about code in there that aligned with the ways that I thought about code in a way that I had not seen other people talk about things. Um, so for me, it hit like a nerve of like, he, I like the way this guy thinks about problems and I like to see him speak and that sort of thing. Um, and it, it actually made me want to speak. So mm-hmm. I started doing uh, conference talks um, at some point after that, sort of uh, inspired by that. So in some ways that got me into speaking and eventually I actually spoke on the No Fluff Tour. So I went around and I, did, and I didn't, I only did it for a year or two. And so I didn't uh, have anywhere near the longevity that uh, Stu's had on the it's tour. It's a ton of travel for those guys. It's it is. a lot. Um, but it was great. It was a great experience for me to meet people. I met people like Mike Nygaard and, uh, you know, other people that uh, I'm still uh, connected to and, and very influenced by. Um, so after I'd been doing that for a while, uh, I thought, why do I have to always travel somewhere to go see a conference or speak at a conference like it's not that hard there's just some people in a room and you get some chairs and a projector and all that kind of thing and uh, you know i know a bunch of people so like how hard could it be for me to uh you know find an audience in st louis and contact some speakers and put it together and um in 2009 um i had had so in late 2008 we started the Lambda Lounge group in St. Louis, or I started the Lambda Lounge group in St. Louis. And I knew all these sort of pockets of people who were interested in functional and dynamic languages. Uh, I knew a group of people who um, went out and drunk beer occasionally and just talked about dynamic languages. And I knew uh, an Erlang user group that I had five people in it and I went to for its brief existence. And I knew people who hung out in other Java and other communities, but were interested in that sort of thing. And I was kind of interested in it. And so I thought, well, I can gather all these people together and like we could have a user group that's about like emerging, you know, like we'll just call it the Lambda Lounge and we'll say it's about dynamic and functional languages. And that's an open enough door that people who are interested in emerging stuff can come talk about stuff, mm-hmm. right? And the first meeting, which was in December of 2008, um, was kind of an electrifying night because <laughs> there was 50 people in a room, mm. and 40, 50 people, something like that. And we went around the room and every single person was like, you know, hi, I'm Alex Miller and I write job during the day and at night I like to do functional programming or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And all these people had these like closet interests that they weren't able to express at work and didn't know other people that were able to do it. And uh, it was was a great night. So, and the, the group exists to this day, still meets every month and we've had over 50 meetings now. Sorry, what's the name of the group? Is it Lambda Lounge? The Lambda Lounge, yeah. Um, and, and there are similar Lambda-style groups now that exist in many other cities, um, Detroit and Philly and uh, Indianapolis and uh, some overseas. Um, and so that's awesome. But So I'd had some initial little success with that. So I'd had a few months of that, like, yeah, there's an audience here in St. Louis to talk about things that aren't like another job library. Yeah, I mean, something to, that's a little more beyond that. I've been involved in a few user groups and if you get 20 people to show up, you're doing well. And so 40 or 50 people in a room is, that's that's a big sign. Yeah, so there's clearly interest there. And then so so I had this idea kicking around of doing a conference. Like uh, I've lived in St. Louis most of my life and, and uh, really like it. And, you know, I'd like other people to come there too. And so, um, in spring of 2009, uh, my uncle died in Portland, 
And my uncle, uh, someone that I've really always looked up to, and he was a, a really interesting guy. Uh, his name is Al Miller, and he had um, polycystic kidney disease. And so he was uh, told uh, several times throughout his life that he was going to die. Uh, I think the first time he was diagnosed with it was he was 15 or something like that. So pretty young. For polycystic kidney, that's pretty young. I think usually you find that like later in your 20s or something like that. And he had uh, three kidney transplants over the course of his life um, and managed to live an amazing full life. You know, he lived till he was in his 60s. Hmm. So... Uh, and he did a lot of different things. He always followed, he always had this uh, sort of, you know, specter behind him. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it made him appreciate, you know, follow what he wanted to do more. Uh, so he was a photographer for a while and he uh, was into woodworking and did that and was uh, made art furniture and made beautiful and also some really crazy stuff. He had sort of a love affair with spikes. And uh, so made lots of spiky furniture and things like that. Game of Thrones, <laughs> Thrones style. Yeah, well, he liked thousands and thousands of tiny spikes are a feature of many of his pieces. Hmm. Um, so, he, uh, so he did that, and and uh, he always sort of cooked off and on. And uh, he was the kind of guy that you, if you got anywhere near a meal that he was making, you were very quickly part of the process. Mm -hmm. And he was teaching you how to make it. You know, you go through a restaurant, and he'd be like. He'd chat up half the people in the restaurant, figuring out what was good before he actually got to the table, you know. Um, so he was a really uh, a wonderful guy. He was also very deeply involved in conservation things in Portland and um, was part of a group that in sort of the late 60s, early 70s that sort of tried to uh, influence a lot of the different organizations like the Audubon and things like that. Anyways, and so and, and so at his uh, service, I went out to Portland, and uh, person after person came up to the mic and talked about how he had um, gotten people together and connected them and gotten them to do something important. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of times that came with um, him convincing people that they could do something they didn't think they could do. Mm -hmm. So. He would get like uh, somebody to say, "Oh, this you know this patch of land should be protected," and he'd say, "Yeah, you should go protect that," <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so many of these people had stories of how they had been uh, shanghaied into working on something that was important to them uh, and didn't think they could do it. Um, so it was very powerful. Um, and I came back on the plane and <laughs> it was like. I'm going to do this conference thing. <laughs> you know, I was kind of uh, waffling at that point, but uh, that's what tipped me over the edge, I think. And and uh, so I said, this fall, I'm doing a conference. And I, you know, I said it, told my wife, and I said, I'm doing this thing. And uh, and so I went down that path, and uh, it was hard. It was really hard. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It's, I mean, a lot of it was just because you're doing many new things, and it's the first time you've ever done them. Um, so, you know, booking a venue and contacting speakers and paying for things and starting an LLC and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I had no idea what I was doing for most of that stuff. And some of it, there were horrifying mistakes made and things like that. And, uh, and you know, lots of things that, that went wrong, but it was a really fun conference and people, people really enjoyed it. And what, was it called Strange Loop at that point? It was called Strange Loop. So it was in the, um, it was originally in the Loop area of St. Louis, which was originally a trolley loop. Uh, that ran between downtown and sort of the western edge of the city. 
Uh, and so that's the, the name of it. So I was trying to come up with some name that was kind of a played on the loop thing a little bit and talked about infinite loop and recursive loop and stuff like that. And uh, at one point I realized I had sitting on my bed stand, I had I Am a Strange Loop by Douglas Hofstadter. Mm-hmm. I was like, Strange Loop, that's great. That doesn't, nobody knows what the hell that means. That's great. Which I think <laughs> is a perfect fit for that conference because it's, exactly. it's, I mean, your other conferences, you know, one of them is Closure West, which is great to have a closure focused conference, but mm-hmm. You know, as a huge closure enthusiast, um, one of the reasons, despite that, one of the reasons that I like Strange Loop or liked the one that I've been to was that it is not exclusively one thing. I mean, there is a unifying theme, of course, but, you know, people aren't going to come there and talk about making pottery. Or maybe they would, but right. m- most likely not. <laughs> but I think the fact that it is kind of a little more diffuse, it, it really helps I, I, to, to me at the conference. Experience. It gives a lot of space to mm-hmm. shape the event right. the way that. Yeah, you know the way it's it has changed. It really has changed over the years, um, but it's it's really been about emerging technologies for medium to advanced level developers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, been the the sweet spot, and and the you know the sort of maybe not that secret secret is that it's mostly just stuff that I'm interested in, <laughs> right? And fortunately, there's enough people that seem to overlap with that level of interest that uh, it oh, works out okay. Totally worked great right for me. I <laughs> so. mean, you keep doing that; it's fine by me. Yeah. Um, it's actually gotten to a point now where it's a little bit challenging because there's, you know, it, it, uh, over and over again, I've had people tell me about how a particular, like they'll say, uh, you know, talk about some particular talk. Oh, well, that's not a strange leap talk or like that, or that's a strange leap talk. And I'm like, how do you know what a strange leap talk is? I'm not even sure what a strange leap talk is, but, but it means something to people. Like it actually, people have some space in their mind that is filled by that. Yeah. Um, and so I find that fascinating when people are telling me what a strange leap talk is, because clearly they have a met, built up a mental model of that. And so I'm constantly trying to probe that and figure out like, what is, what is it to you? And it mm-hmm. means different, like some people say, oh, it's a functional programming conference. Mm-hmm. And I would violently disagree with that. So for me, I, I think it's about, um, it's about, so I describe it in different ways at different times, but it's really about, um, I want to ask questions about um, how we are making software today and how we should be making software tomorrow. And so it naturally, that is talking about emerging technologies and things that are not yet emerging and, you know, things that are, you know, future type things. Uh, and so it, it tends to have some, you know, pick up hot topics of the day. Mm-hmm. So when NoSQL came out, there were a lot of NoSQL talks. You know, that was what everybody was talking about and excited about. And it was, people were trying to figure out what that was and how they could use it and that sort of thing. And so 2010, that sort of emerged as a true theme of the conference. Nobody was talking about functional programming then. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were functional programming talks, but nobody talked about that as the theme of the conference. Uh, and, and even when I made the schedule, I didn't realize that was the theme. That was, that's the thing. Every year there emerge themes that come out of the, conver- the conversation during the conference. People come out of it with, I, I always come out with a strong sense of like, what's the theme? Um, but I never, I often don't know what that is until after the conference, which is really weird. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's about functional programming because that's what people are interested. That's something right now that people are finding useful uh, and that I think will be useful in the future. But that's, it's, you know, we also have object talks and yeah. logic talks yeah. and all sorts of different stuff. So. so so you were talking a bit, that's super interesting, you were talking a bit about um, 
the history of Strange Loop, but the part I was had asked you about was how that intersected with your path towards. I think I want to change the tools that I'm using. Mm. Um, I don't know that there actually is much of an intersection about that, so I'm sorry that I didn't answer that's that. That's all right. That's okay. <laughs> I don't have a strong, okay. any strong answer for that. There were really two parallel things going on in my life, and, and uh, it, at times when I was less, well, I'd say the one connection is that being less satisfied with how my work was proceeding during the day made me more interested in seeking out emerging stuff sort of as a, as a side thing. So, if anything, it maybe gave me the appetite to go out and um, keep, you know, looking for those things in Strange Loop and mm -hmm. working on that as a, as an outlet. So maybe that's the connection. Okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> um, so one question I have for you is, um, I think something that some people might be wondering, um, and I and I think having talked to you a little bit about this, there's a really good answer, but it, it makes sense to share it with people, which is, you know, you are now a relevance employee. Um, how does that affect Strange Loop and Closure West? And you know, we have the con, so if you're involved in that by virtue of being a relevance employee. Now, what what's you know what's the deal there? Yeah, so there's several aspects to that. Um, so starting from the conj, which is something that's run by relevance uh, and happens in November, um, Lynn Grogan has been doing a fantastic job of mm -hmm. doing that for years, and I have at times you know, made myself available to answer any questions that I can and, mm -hmm. and uh, help her out and uh, have talked regularly to Lynn for years now about stuff. And uh, I'm very excited to, to be, you know, able to help out with that. And um, I've been a little bit involved with the sort of planning and selection process this year, uh, although that's largely something driven by Rich and Stu. Mm -hmm. um, so I did have a little bit of input into that, and I assume that I will continue to have uh, inputs into different parts of it, and we'll be able to share the little bit with uh, Lynn. Uh, as far as Closure West goes, um, there, I'd say it's kind of a little bit in, still up in the air about the details of it. Um, what I expect to happen is that it's effectively run as a relevance-backed um, thing next year. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know yet exactly where it will be, and, and so that's something that we need to work on and start. Uh, now's the time to start figuring that out. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> so. I think that makes a lot of sense too, because if you look at those two conferences, they're they're clearly sister conferences, right? I mean, you've been running the one and we've yeah. been running the other, but you go to both of them, it's like there's a lot of synergy that's obvious there. Yeah, and I would say actually I had some hesitation about uh, one hesitation about joining Relevance that I had was that. I think there's actually, I think it was really healthy to actually have two different entities running uh, conferences about the same language mm -hmm. because we had different focuses. That's true. And so I don't, I think that will, that will come out in the programming. So we haven't really talked about how we'll do that sort of thing for next year, but um, I suspect that we'll probably, um, I will probably continue to do more of the planning and selection for Closure West sure. and uh, less for the conj. And so there's, I think there still will be some difference in uh, focus and things like that for the two of them. And exactly what that is is something that we need to work out. So I'd say that's unknown yet exactly how that falls out. Well, you've been here long. Right. And I think you're totally right. I, I think uh, the encouraging part is that you've been here long enough to know that, uh, you know, Relevance is not a particularly heavy-handed organization with respect yeah. to its employees. So. You know, if you if anyone even said, 
Alex, how do you want to handle this? And you said, I feel strongly that, you know, it should be me making the selections. I think there'd have to be a pretty darn good reason why that wouldn't be the case. And you know what I mean? So, yeah. So we just haven't really talked about it that much. All right. Um, so as far as strange loop go, that's, we've decided that's going to be continue to be just my own thing that I run on my own time and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, it will be a distinct entity. Um, as far as, you know, whether or not being at relevance will change my selection process for that, I'd say no, because, um, it hasn't been part of my, you know, it's just always been a distinct thing for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I don't have a. I don't have like a, you know an agenda as far as promoting certain people or anything like that. Um, I'm or particular. It, I don't have an agenda in promoting closure or functional programming or things that I particularly care about in my what I, tools I use for my own work. Right. Mm-hmm. With strangely, if I'm more interested in asking questions, um, and I frequently take topics in things that. Like I'm not going to use that tool, but I see a lot of people doing interesting things with it, and and exploring a different way to do things, and um, so I really respect the conversation about that. Uh, so uh, I, I don't expect there to be really any substantive changes in how Strangeloop is run going forward. Um, Lambda Jam, I'd say, is kind of a little bit up in the air. Um, I I expect that uh, I think the first conference this year was great. And went really well, and we can talk more about that. Yeah, please, we'll get that in a minute. Um, but um, I, I don't know that I will necessarily run Lambda Jam in the future. So um, I think there's a there's a, there's some ongoing discussions there with other people about that, uh, and I, I expect things will it will I expect that it will happen again next year, and it will be uh, organized in a different way. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm gonna wait until some more things are finalized before I can say anything more okay, well, maybe precise you'll come, about that. Maybe you'll come back on the show when you get that figured out we can talk about it. Well, by the time this is posted, maybe it will be figured out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's in discussion area. All right. Well, so. that's cool. Um, I actually do want to talk a bit about um, not so much the future of Lambda Jam, but the, the first one I saw really good reaction on Twitter, uh, which I'm used to seeing from Alex Miller conferences, uh, uh, especially strangely, you know, people are like, oh, I had a great time, it was really fun. It was a little bit different in format from most conferences. I wonder if you could describe it to people that didn't get to go. Yeah, one of the things that uh, is both uh, great and terrible about Strange Loop is that it is successful. Um, and that means that it boxes you in in some ways. Um, so at the very beginning of creating Strange Loop, there was infinite freedom, right? It was an unknown thing that did not have a shape in people's mind, and it could be anything that I wanted it to be. Uh, that's not true anymore, and there are certain constraints with venue and size, and it, it's, it is a conference that has 1,100 people in it, right? And that immediately cuts off a whole bunch of things that maybe are really, like the very first year, we had uh, a, uh, like a happy hour, um, ignite talk sort of night, um, one night, uh, in a bar, and it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think, and there there weren't that many people there. There were a hundred people there, or whatever. And those people still talk to me about that night. It was a magical night. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you can't do that with eleven hundred people. It no. just does not work, right? right? So there are certain things that, as you get as you grow and become successful, are not uh, open to you from an experimentation point of view. So for me, Lambda Jam was was uh, built around two main ideas. Um, that would that I could experiment with 
in a way that was sort of distinct from Strangely. One is really um, getting together people who are doing different functional programming languages and having them sort of cross-pollinate more, more directly. So there are a lot of, so Strangely is a conference where a lot of different languages come together, but the talks tend to be more, um, these days tend to be not library talks, they're more idea talks, right? So uh, I really wanted people to come together and talk about the, you know, writing code in different language, different functional programming languages and see what rubbed off between, you know, like Erlang and Scala and Clojure and uh, different languages like that. Um, so that was the first thing, just this focus, this a narrower focus than Strange Loop, broader than Clojure West. Uh, and the second idea was that a lot of uh, conferences are very passive learning, right? Mm -hmm. So you go and you sit and you listen to someone talk. And there are opportunities to do a little bit more active stuff, but that's not something that's ever been a big component of Strange Loop. And it just because of the venue and things like that are probably not going to be um, huge parts of the conference. But I really wanted to have a conference where you had more of that. Like there are certain people I think who are engaged by getting together people and actually writing code, you know, like that's, they're gonna learn more from that experience. So the idea of Lambda Jam is to have sessions in the morning and then in the afternoon to have either workshops, which are sort of paid focused things, typical to workshops and other uh, conferences, but then have like an open jam session where you just have a, a problem to work on and you, pick a language to work on it in, you get some people together and you work on it in groups, and uh, at the end, do a show and tell. Like actually like get to see, oh, I get to see how that guy wrote the thing that I wrote, but he wrote it in Erlang, and like how did that inform what he did and how he wrote different parts of it? Uh, and I thought that would be really interesting, and I had no idea how that was gonna turn out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was uh, something I was a little nervous about because it was just an unknown sort of thing, but I really think it turned out uh, as well as I, it could possibly have turned out. So I was really excited about it. There were about 75 people that showed up every day, um, which is about a quarter of the conference, and I think about probably about half of the conference was in workshops. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, so that was a good turnout in my mind. Uh, I, definitely see a temptation for a lot of people to you know go out to lunch and go do something else right or whatever um so i was really glad to see that people showed up for it and really took it in the spirit that i was hoping for um and we got better at it each day so we learned a little each day and we mm -hmm. made some tweaks and uh there were a great group of uh guys that helped out with organizing the jams and putting together materials and uh running them each day and and so my hats are off to them for doing all that work because I there's no way that I could have done that work. So I'm, I'm really thankful to them that they were able to take that on. Uh, and there were, and, and people, we did see that we got a lot of uh, benefit from someone sticking up their hand and saying, I know closure, I'm willing to, you know, work with a group of people who may not know it uh, as well. Uh, and we found that to be really helpful because then you could work on the problem and get your head out of the docks of the language, right. you know? So you're just like, yeah, I need to like apply some function to everything in this list, you know? You're like, oh, we'll just use map or mm -hmm. whatever, you know? You don't have to look it up. Some guy can tell you the answer um, or tell you what's normal and what's not normal. And so I heard people exploring new languages uh, and trying new things, and that was awesome. Hmm. So, uh, so that was that was great.
so I think it I think it went really well. It's, I mean, like I say, it sounds great, and it, I mean, I, everything I saw was really positive. I would have liked to have gone, but uh, you know, you run too many awesome conferences, Alex, and I have to choose between various ones. As it was, <laughs> I had my fingers crossed that uh, my Strange Loop talk would be accepted, so that I wouldn't have to pay my own money to go because I've used up my conference budget for the year and I yeah. knew I was going to have to get the strange loop so so that's awesome yeah um, that's great so I, I want to talk to you about one other thing um, so we're here in Durham you and I are actually sitting across from each other which is not always the case for the podcast we usually do this via Skype and the reason that we're here is uh, we're attending an event that we call Inc. Relevance that's I-N-C inside parens a little closure joke which is our uh, as I like to say semi-annual quarterly meeting um, <laughs> where we get together a few times a year um, mm-hmm ostensibly quarterly, but it doesn't tend to work out that way. And um, it's one of the very few times, it's basically the only time that we get just about everybody in the company in the same physical location. And we work really well as a distributed team, but, um, but it is also super awesome to have everyone together. And, you know, we do talks, so it's actually a bit like a conference, which you are well familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, I believe, your very first chance to get together with everyone at this new company, at this company you've newly joined, and kind of get the gestalt, the you know the the, the feeling. I mean, I've been through this a bunch of times, but I wanted to get your perspective because we've talked to people about the hiring process and about various phases of being at relevance. But so this is a fresh experience for you, and I kind of remember what it was like when I first got exposure to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, I won't give anything away about what, how I feel about it, but I want to hear what your reaction to that environment's been. It's been a ton of fun. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I've been hanging out in chat rooms and stuff with most of these people. Uh, and so it's been fantastic to be able to put names to faces and, and get to meet the people. And, and uh, as, I, as I expected, you know, they're a lot of fun. They're really smart. Um, they want to make awesome things. Uh, and that's an infectious, inspiring thing to be around. So that's great. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed it. I've seen some really inspiring talks about software, about not software, <laughs> right, and things like that, which is what I expected. And actually, I would say that that the uh, the room here is uh, uh, the temperature of the room is very similar to the Land Lounge group that oh, we okay. run in St. Louis, which is that it is a uh, an intensely uh, interested a room that really wants to learn about new things. It's curious. Um, it's intimate. Uh, it's um, challenging. So, like, uh, it tends to be a very uh, combative crowd, and not in a negative way, but in a um, I want to make this, you know, like pr- participatory in some cases. Um, so you have to kind of batten that down sometimes. Right, but, right. Um, not that, and I wouldn't say it's been a problem or anything here. No. But uh, it's been, but it's an interactive crowd, I guess I should say, um, and that's great. So I love that. So I love have, being in a, a group like that. So yeah, we've seen some really cool stuff. I mean, I'm uh, just, you know, some of the stuff like the pedestal guys are talking about the intersection of Corey Sync, something that Brenton came on the show and talked about mm-hmm. recently. Uh, that's just really interesting work, and some other stuff that we're not ready to announce yet. That's just, it's just, I was made a comment to Mike Nygaard the other day, I'm like, you know, there's been a bunch of awesome stuff that we have participated in making. Um, you know, Datomic, uh, Closure itself, we're you know, part of the stewardship of that language, Closure Script, Core Async, right? And that it feels to me like there's this avalanche effect where all of those things pitch in to let you make more awesome things 
which then in turn let you make even more awesome things. And it feels like we're on this exponential growth curve where, you know, a year from now we'll have done as many new awesome things as we did in some greater than a year period before that. So it's been really, really exciting for me Mm -hmm. to see this. So I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I love coming down here. So, yeah, it's been fantastic. I'm glad to have met everybody. Yeah, cool. Looking forward to going home and seeing my kids. Yeah, well, there is that. My my children are in Taiwan at the moment, so I would get that, but uh, I will be happy to get home. Well, this has been really good. I was I was especially interested to hear the the history of Strange Loop and your inspiration for that. That's really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So before we wrap it up and get to the uh, the other music question, um, mm-hmm. is there anything else we should talk about today? We can talk about closure community stuff if you want. Yes, to talk please. That yeah, no, please. Yeah, I'd love to hear your take on that. So I've been kind of working on this um, when I've been on the bench. Uh, so far at Relevance, and, and uh, I, ho- I hope to be doing a lot more of this in, in the future. Um, but I've really been trying to um, get my head into where the pain points are in the closure community and how uh, we can make things better. So in, in particular, um, I've done a lot of work, this is going back a few years now, on the closure.org website. Um, there are some other things in that vein that are uh, coming down the pike. Um, I have recently been doing a ton of work in the Closure Jira system, um, trying to uh, figure out what our actual process is, um, as agreed to by Rich, and that's the, the key party to get, mm-hmm. get agreement on. And I think we've done that and uh, documented on the Confluence Wiki, and then uh, clean up the, the actual system itself. So there's a lot of cruft both in the uh, sort of the admin of it and also in the data itself and I think we've made significant progress there and then to sort of get the ticket pipeline moving again so it for a variety of reasons I would say that it has sort of slowed way down in the last six to twelve months uh, and I've been really hoping to sort of get those juices flowing again so I've been uh, trying to get screeners together and get uh, uh, get request help from people in closure dev and things like that so i can will continue to do that and hopefully we can uh get a, a lot of important work out that's out there it's in the jira system there's important stuff out there performance wise bug fixes documentation and i want to get it in closure so i want to make closure more awesome so so are there things that um, you'd like to say to our listeners, because I think we have a wide variety of people, many of whom are interested in closure and maybe are getting just getting started. And are there things that people that aren't necessarily experienced closure partners can do to pitch in? There are. So um, that's uh, there are a lot of opportunities to do that, and in a wide range of ways. So there and there's kind of the hierarchy of sort of experience and. Um, responsibility that's a, that's available out there. And that's something that I think we're going to continue to refine. Um, there's been this notion of closure core for a long time, which mm-hmm. is a set of relevance, primarily employees that dedicate one day of, you know, their 20% time to really uh, working on closure things. Um, that has kind of been, I think, um, sort of 
dispersed a little bit by other projects that are also important and awesome, like Core Async and right. Pedestal and right. script and things like that. Um, so I, I personally would sort of like to uh, reboot the idea of Closure Core, uh, and I'd be happy to throw away that name. I don't know if Rich would or not, so I've I've not vetted this with anybody who actually has any. Maybe yeah, he'll listen to the any show. Other, uh, yeah, any other thing like that? Oh, we, I have talked to other people about it a little bit, but um, and so I'm not sure what's going to happen with all that. But I think there is definitely. I want it to be a community. I want there to be. Um, you can't give everyone the power to go modify the closure source code, right? Right. There's going to be just a, a small number of people there. Rich is going to always going to be the benevolent dictator as far as what closure is. Um, but that said, there's a ton of room for uh, groups of people to help out. So if we do have a group of what I've been calling screeners, we've called them screeners for a long time, which um, is basically a set of very experienced closure people who have been around, have been working with the language for a long time. That set has been static, but there's no reason it has to be static. Um, so I would love to sort of deputize more people to and empower them to be able to screen tickets, triage tickets, things like that. Um, there are there is a list out there called the needs patch list. I've been posting things out on the closure dev list. Once is the needs a patch so. list like on the Confluence wiki? It is on the Jira system, so, so there's a filter for it. Is that dev.closure.org, or what's the URL for that? Uh, dev.closure.org slash Jira okay. is the Jira system. And there, if you look under filters, there is a CLJ needs patch. Those are all, every ticket in there is something that a screener looked at and said was a real problem. Rich looked at and said, this is a problem that uh, I'm, I'm, is good to work on. And Rich looked at and said, this should be fixed in the next release. So... It's ready. <laughs> the people, everybody who has a say has said this is something that should go into the next release, but it doesn't have a patch. So it means somebody needs to actually solve the problem, implement the enhancement, whatever it is, uh, and then it can go through the development process, which is not necessarily a one-step process. It's a feedback cycle, right, of working on a patch, getting feedback on it by screeners, and eventually it gets to the point where Rich says, yeah, this looks good, and then somebody commits it to the code base. Mm -hmm. So um, there, that's definitely out there. And then there's always opportunities to go look for any of the sort of open tickets and make them better. And there's a couple of axes to that. One is adding a patch to it or something like that. Another is really making the ticket itself great. So that's something I've really been focusing on lately is to sort of be able to serve these things to Rich on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. um, so to say, here's a ticket, here's a concise description of the problem and a example of doing it, show it, seeing the problem in the REPL, a explanation of the cause of the problem, a description of the solution, and here's the patch that has that answer in it. And um, so the idea here is that Rich's time is spread very thin these days because he's created too many awesome things. <laughs> right. So um, when he has time to go in and actually work through tickets and approve things, I want him to be able to do that as efficiently as possible. And he wants to be able to do that as efficiently as possible. Um, so I've really been trying to uh, clean up that incoming uh, queue for him so that it is as tight as it can be when it gets to him. And the bar is perfect, right? Like when I give something to Rich, I want it to be like, this is exactly, I understand the problem. I understand the solution. It's the right patch. It has a test. It's ready to go in. I just have to hit a button. Um, so my goal is to do as much of that as possible. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, I, and I think we're starting to make progress on that. So that's what, definitely one area that uh, I've been working on. I've also overhauled the uh, Confluence Wiki and reorganized everything there, and I'm not going to go into the details of that, but it's just generally better. I think the major weak area is in sort of the getting started type mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's an area that still needs lots of help, and we're going to be working on that more. So I'm curious, though. I mean, the, so to me, mm-hmm. um, something like creating a patch or improving a ticket around some bug mm-hmm. um, is something I think a lot of people could help with. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, a really gratifyingly large number of people that are competent in Closure now. I mean, I've always said that if if the best programmer Closure programmers in the world all work at relevance, that's actually not good. Well, I like to think right. that we have some of them. Yeah. But if we have all of them, that means that. The, the the community is not where we'd like it to be, um, but what about what if I'm a beginner? I'm just getting started. Or I'm interested in getting started. Is there are there things out there? Like what what are the how would I do that? Where would I go? And what would I look to do? What can I expect to be doing? Right. So um, like one thing to look for is uh, to look. So there's an open tickets list, right? And that's just stuff that's come in and literally no one has actually looked at it yet. Um, that list is depressingly large right now. And that's something that I hope to also make some progress on. But there's a 300 tickets in there or something like that. Um, those tickets, the tickets themselves are often a mess, right? And that's normal. For, and I don't say that to uh, sort of cast aspersions on anybody who's filing tickets because I, I want people to file tickets. For me, like the way I think of a ticket system is the input is noisy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really noisy. It's like a bad you know, audio signal, right? <laughs> right. Um, and so the job of people who are working on the ticket system or, or want to improve tickets, people like me, is to clean up that signal and, and separate out the good stuff out of that and to you know, make it better. And that means doing things like deduplicating you know, and things like that. I don't expect that someone's going to find all the necessary duplicates of whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm okay with a noisy input to the whole system. Um, but like those tickets could be cleaned up for sure. There's like it just going through it, like the simple act of running the thing in the REPL and saying, yes, I verify that this problem does exist in the current version of Closure. Or like going back to old tickets, tickets that are in some cases are four or five years old and saying, yeah, this is still a problem. Or this has been resolved long ago, or we've decided that this is no longer important because we've added features that, um, you know, took it over or whatever. Yeah, and I can see that being a reasonable way to get started because it's going to force you to set up a REPL and go, okay, I understand this hopefully small piece of code and I made it do what it was supposed to do. So that does sound like something a beginner could do. I think another area outside the ticket system is like um, docs has always been an area that has been something that uh, people have complained about with closure. I, I think there's sort of a mixed thing there. Like there are actually a ton of useful resources out there for closure. So uh, I think that which doesn't mean that they can't be better or better organized or more accessible and things like that. So I, I'm really appreciative of um, things like closure docs and the two kinds of closure docs that are out there. Right. One, the uh, example site. Uh, which is a the data is a little bit old on that now, and also the um, the shared um, GitHub system that produces closure docs and where you can contribute your own documentation. Um, and the the 
I'm so glad those things exist and there is a ton of great content out there as well as there is out on blogs and stuff like that. And there's a really a ridiculous number of good closure books now. Yeah. Uh, there's no excuse for not picking up one of any of the closure books. That's what, right. You know, there's many good ones. Yeah. All, they're all good, right? There's no bad closure I books. I agree. Yeah, I've read, I um, think, all almost all of them, and they are all, yes, absolutely good. Yeah, so there's no excuse for not being able to find um, useful stuff out there. Um, th there are things that could be done in terms of organization and stuff like that. Um, and I, th I think there are definitely holes out there in, like, the Closure Docs um, site where there's room for more tutorials on different things or things like that. And I hope that, so I don't have a full answer for you, but this is sort of thing where I would love to uh, continue working on having projects or places where people contribute docs or code or whatever um, that's useful for closure. Um, I'd love to have a list somewhere that you know people can go to and I can direct people to, to like, yeah, I really need somebody to work on this. Is it reasonable for someone who doesn't doesn't really know how to do any of those things to go to the closure dev mailing list and say, you know, sort of virtually stick their hand in the air and say, give me something to do? Would that be something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I figured so, as much. Yeah, and there are some things out there like the, uh, the Closure Doc example site. Um, I've been talking to um, uh, Lee Hinman, I think, is the guy um, who kind of has the control of the data right now. Um, and he has grand plans for that site and it just like all of us we're busy we have lots more than one thing to do it's a hobby project and um, there's things like that like I would love to have things like that that we could unleash onto the world and and say we need help with this and just sort of uh, guide things like that mm -hmm. so I think there's a ton of effort uh, or opportunity there well, cool yeah, it sounds like there's tons for people to do, and uh, ah, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, of all people, are going to be um, spending more time on that because I think uh, you'll do a great job at um, making the world a better place in the closure community, so that's very cool. I would like to get to a point where we do more regular closure releases and that um, there's a more focused effort about what goes into them and when and that tickets move through the system in a reasonable way and that are not getting backed up somewhere. Um, that we have good and uh, answers for things like paper contributor agreements and pull requests and things like that. Maybe those aren't things that will change, but I think we can improve um, how we talk about them. And uh, I, I think, and I think from talking to Rich this week, some of them um, are open to change more so than some people think, and are things that I'm going to be continue to work on, try cool. to find the best place for them. So. Awesome, fantastic. Wow, that's really great. Um, yeah, is there anything else we should talk about? No. I've rung you dry. <laughs> I have rung you dry. No, I'm sure that's not true because I know there are many more things that we could talk about. But uh, yeah. but I do want to let you get back. It is a Friday, and as you have just alluded to, you have many, many, many things that you'd like to work on in, in this uh, on this day. Um, and, of course, there's a lot going on here with everybody here. So uh, yeah. um, before we go, of course... We gotta give another song out of you. What mm -hmm. would you like us to play on the way out? So on the way out, I wanna hear um, This City by Steve Earle, which is a song from the Treme soundtrack. Um, but I think it's also on one of his albums, but it's uh, it's just a fantastic song. Okay, so. awesome. Well, people are hearing that come up in the background right now, and uh, that's my cue to thank you very much for coming on the show again, Alex. 
I'm super happy you were able to come on. I'm even more excited that you are on the team now. I think it's going to be just great for everybody. Um, you know, all around, we talked about a bunch of ways that that is going to have all kinds of awesome packed into it. And I personally super thrilled that you that you were able to, to join us. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, and thanks for making the decision to join us here at Rollins. <laughs> great. I'm really really happy it all worked out. All right, cool. All right. Thanks. So we will say. Goodbye to you, Alex, and thanks to our listeners. This has been Think Relevance, the podcast. Ain't the river all the wind, the blame. Everybody around here knows. Nothing holding back, punch a train. Simple prayer and a promise is ghost. We just count, digging our graves and silent marble. This city won't ever drown